Hey super friends, my name is Neil and welcome to this, episode 52 of the Get Your Comic On podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish, or in this case three weeks, to bring you a slice of film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio to your speakers. As always, I am joined by my very own boy wonder, Martin. Say hello, Martin. Hello, Martin. How is Martin today? He's alright. Why do you grimace whenever I ask you how you are? I don't know, it just feels a bit false, really. <laughs> what, because we live together and I've seen you all day? Yeah. Well, it's for the people at home. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm okay, people at home. That's good. That's what they want to know. Woo! So we have a, we've got a new theme tune this episode. Have we? We do. For those of you who uh, are keeping up with our weekly news bulletins that are on YouTube and social media, we launched a brand new theme tune last week with a brand new intro. It's all flashy and it's sexy and it's awesome. And it's part of a mini rebranding exercise as we kick off into 2021 and get ourselves out of lockdown and get life back to normal. So hopefully you like it. I get really excited whenever I listen to it. And I have been listening to it quite a bit. <laughs> it's a good song. It's a good song. For those of you not in the know, we do a uh, weekly news bulletin on a Friday, which you can check out on our Twitter and our Instagram TV channel, and also on our YouTube. We just pick some of the biggest stories from across the week, and one of the team, either myself or James normally, hosts, and we just run you through the biggest stories of the week, just to make sure you're up to date on everything that's going on, especially when you're between podcasts like we have been for the last three weeks. What is on the menu this week, Boy Wonder? News. And a lot of news. I thought, as I went through everything, that actually since the last time we podcasted, there was quite a lot of news to keep you up to date on. So uh, it's just all news, news, news with us at the moment. So we're going to go through that. And if there is time afterwards, we've got some review recommendations for you for content that you should be keeping up with. So, without further ado, into the news. Okay, if you listen to us here at Get Your Comic Con, you know that Martin and I are both big fans of DC, so I've got a bunch of DC headlines to kick off with. First is Black Adam. The Rock announced a couple of weeks ago that something big was coming from Black Adam, which we all presumed was going to be a costume reveal, but actually it was an update on the film's release date. Ooh. Yes. The film was originally set to release in December of 2022, so next year, but has now been confirmed that it is moving up release dates to the 29th of July 2022. Sadly, still no costume reveal, but at least we know it's coming soon. They're gearing up to film at the moment. And our next news story is also on the Black Adam theme, as it's been announced that Pierce Brosnan has joined the cast. Now, who on earth do you think that Pierce Brosnan could play in the DC Universe? The Monitor. Zeus. Is he Zeus? No. No? He is Dr. Fate. Oh, yeah. I knew that. Why did I say Zeus? I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. He is playing Dr. Fate as part of the Justice Society that are being brought together for the Black Adam film. So I think that's a really cool casting. I did not see that coming. He was not somebody who, if you'd said to me, who do you think should play Dr. Fate, Neil? I would have said um, Pierce Brosnan. But actually... His voice really sounds like a voice that would work for Dr. Fate when you think about it. Commands Doth you not fate. agree? Commands fate. Fate. You just imagine Dr. Fate sounding like James Bond. Well, no, he's just got a very, he's got a very commanding voice. He does. So I just, I think that, w- I think it will actually work really well. Fate commands you to get me a martini. 
shaken, not stirred, I might add. If anyone's not up to date as to the cast on this film yet, so you've got Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Black Adam, Sarah Shahi as Adriana Tamaz, Aldous Hodge as Carter Hall, Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate, Noah Centino as Al Rothstein slash Atom Smasher, Marwen Kanzari and Quintessa Swindle, who's playing Maxine Hunkel slash Cyclone. So we've got a Justice Society that's coming together for this film, which is going to be really interesting to see on screen, I think. We've obviously just seen a version of the Justice Society in Stargirl, and we have the Justice Society animated movie, which is coming out in just a few weeks' time. More on that one a little bit later. I'm excited to see what they do with this film. I agree. No, you don't. You're playing your little warships game on your iPad. I'm putting it away. So tell me about Dr. Fate. He's a guy with a helmet. <laughs> he is one of the four orders of fate. Yes. Who they established the magical laws of order. Anything else? No, not at all. Uh, thank you for that little character breakdown there. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on Black Adam, where we are at this point. Not shot anything yet. We've not seen anything yet. So very little other than a logo and the, the teaser video from DC Fandom. But what are your thoughts on, on Black Adam coming to the big screen? I don't really know a, a lot about Black Adam. so I'm really interested to see when this film is set. Egypt. Clearly they're going to cover the, the ancient Egyptian history of him. And we got that from the teaser video. But I wonder whether the whole film will be set there. I guess not, given that we've got Atom Smasher and a number of other Justice Society characters, but will it go from ancient Egypt to present day? Will it go from ancient Egypt to a time in DC's history past? Where are we? Because if he comes up to the present day, then obviously you've got the door open for Shazam, and we do know that these two are going to meet on screen at some point in the near future, but not right now. Or the other thing that obviously everyone will go for with it, it potentially being present day set, would be an appearance from Henry Cavill as Superman. The Rock and Cavill do tend to hang out as well, which doesn't help. So there's often pictures on social media of the two of them having a drink together, oh, which really? then immediately makes people go like, <gasps> like, is he going to be Superman in Black Adam? Are Black Adam and Superman going to go head to head? Who knew they were like bros? Mm, I know. Do they build computers together? <laughs> I do not know if they build computers together. I don't know what The Rock's take on building a computer is. Henry Cavill has just finished shooting The Witcher. I'm not sure what he does next, but he has literally just finished filming on The Witcher season two. So, just chilling out, playing his loot. Probably. Any thoughts on when you would like this film to be set? Given that it introduces some of the magical elements to the DC universe, which is something which you thoroughly enjoy. Oh, the magical elements. Um, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's got fate. It's got Black Adam. I'd imagine it'll probably start in around ancient Egyptian times. I quite like it to be outside of the timeline and there's no pressure of, oh, is Superman going to be there? Yeah. Oh, will Ben Affleck come back as Batman? Oh, what does this all mean? Just don't put that pressure on yourself. Well, they did a really good job of that with Shazam. Well, it could have been anybody's head, couldn't it? it well, exactly. It could have been anybody. But aside from that, even though um, Freddy is a huge fan of the Justice League characters, you didn't feel like it was so stuck in that universe that they had to shoehorn characters in. So when that Superman cameo did happen, as disappointing as it was that you never saw his face, it wasn't like a, I've been waiting all film for this. It was just a, oh, okay. Well, they tried. Yeah, that's fair enough. Any other thoughts on Black Adam? No, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for the Helm of Fate. Hmm. 
which leads me into Shazam. So as we were just saying, at some point in the near future, Shazam and Black Adam will clash on screen uh, in a Batman versus Superman, Godzilla versus Kong style. But for the meantime, uh, DC and Warner Brothers are focusing on the Black Adam film, which, as I just said, is releasing on the 29th of July 2022. And then they have the Shazam sequel, which is also gearing up to go into production very, very soon, which is currently set for release potentially in 2023. We have to wait and see. That's what IMDb says at the moment. I can't remember what the last announced release date was for it. But that film has also just announced some more casting. They have cast Helen Mirren, Dame Helen Mirren, should I say. She is playing Hespera, who's going to be one of the villains in the film. I don't believe she's going to be the only one. She is going to be uh, the sister of the mystery character played by West Side Story star Rachel Zegler. Hespera is, uh, in Greek mythology, uh, she is the daughter of Atlas, who's one of the titans of myth. And Atlas is one of the six gods who obviously gave Shazam his iconic powers. Hespera, in Greek mythology, is the spirit of immortality. So yeah, this one's gearing up to shoot very, very soon. I can now remember that the original release date that was announced for it is November the 4th, 2022, but IMDb seems to think it may have moved to 2023. That's not something I've heard of. So Zachary Levi returning, as are the rest of the kids and the grown-ups from the original film. Be cool to get a wee bit of a Wonder Woman in there, given all the Greek mythos. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That would maybe be a good tie-in from there if they wanted to widen out the universe. I was just going to say, what do you think about this bit of casting? Between Pierce Brosnan and Helen Mirren, that's quite sort of esteemed actors that are coming in to DC films at this point. Well, they've all got some chops, haven't they? They have. It's it's quite exciting, I think, that we're getting people of this calibre into the films at this point, given that you could argue DC in the wider sense is not seen in the in the best light in comparison to a another company. I don't know, I mean, they're probably doing... It's a different type of storytelling, isn't it? If you look at Joker, that was, you know... True, yep, there are Oscars there. Acclaimed by the Academy, or whatever that is. Yes. So they've, they've got a bit of chops about them. Well but, done. Yeah, no, see, I know things. Uh, not a lot. What was I saying? Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, continue. Where would you like to see Shazam go next? As I said, a bit of Wonder Woman. Okay, do you want to flesh that out a little bit more? So just, you want to see Shazam and Wonder Woman team up to take down the Greek gods, as it were? Or something mythical and epic. I hadn't thought that, I quite like that. Because they're all together in the, in the ethos of the mythics and the gods. I wonder where they continue to build the universe out from there. I mean, they've done a fairly good job with Shazam. I'd like to see that they do quite a good job with Black Adam and then actually there you do have the foundations of a little shared universe for that corner of DC. Well you could easily link it in with the Justice League Dark because the new run has been heavily focused on Wonder Woman Doctor Fate <laughs> I love that you just keep dragging in Wonder Woman even though we're talking about Shazam and Black Adam. Yeah they're not in Justice League Dark but <laughs> elements of the gods are there so you know Black Adam did recently turn up in Infinite Frontier which went um, with it this running joke <laughs> that got supposedly misinterpreted. I, I really don't see that this is a thing. Obviously, he's been called Black Adam for decades. There is a panel in Infinite Frontier uh, number zero, which you can pick up now in print and on digital, where all good comics are sold, where he's referred to as uh, Shazadam because he's slightly on the side of good, so he's not he's sort of shirking the Black Adam image slightly. 
but it got picked up by a number of websites and reported that DC were rebranding the character to Shazadam, which I thought was hilarious and ridiculous at the same time. Because why would you do that? Well, why not? Because <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. In other DC casting news, Billy Crudup has uh, officially had to drop out of the Flash movie with Ezra Miller. He will no longer be playing Henry Allen. He had to drop out because uh, the production schedule on the Flash now clashes with season two of Apple TV's The Morning Show. So he is being replaced by Ron Livingston, which is not a name I know very well off the top of my head. Do you know Ron Livingston? I don't know any names. His TV credits include Band of Brothers, in which he was Captain Lewis Nixon. He was also in Sex and the City for eight episodes as Jack Berger. He was the voice of Bob Mamari in three episodes of American Dad. He's been in Family Guy. What else has he been in? Boardwalk Empire. Film-wise, recently he was in The Men Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. The Long and Dumb Road. Tully. Lucky. Digging for Fire. Added to Fresno. The Conjuring. I didn't recognise his face. So he's taken over as the new Henry Allen. The Flash is due to kick off production uh, here in London. I think they're shooting at Warner Brothers Studios out in Leaveston this month. If all goes to plan, April was the month that was mooted for production beginning. So they should be about to start filming. I don't know what his role... I I haven't personally read the script. I don't know how big uh, the role of Henry Allen will be in the film. They have also cast Barry's mum as well. So presumably... Although many people will be familiar with The Flash from the TV series, there are bound to be those that are going to come to it from a, from a new perspective, so they'll I'm sure they will repeat some of the origin. Of course, the Flash movie we know will have Ben Affleck returning as Batman. Michael Keaton seems to be on the fence if anybody asks him as to whether he's returning. It's been confirmed that Kiersey Clemens, who uh, debuts in the Snyder Cut version of Justice League as Iris West will be back in this film. Ron Livingston as Henry Allen, Sasha Cage as Supergirl, which we've talked about a lot in the past, and then an an actress by the name of Maribel Verdu is playing Nora Allen. That's the only casting that we have for that one thus far. I'm not going to dwell on that one too much because we talked about the Flash quite a lot, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it a lot more as it starts filming and we start seeing set photos and stuff like that. So that is, oh, there's <laughs> me saying that's it for DC. No, it's not. Uh, So, since the last time we podcasted, we've had not one, but two trailers for The Suicide Squad. So, let's have a chat about those, shall we? So, The Suicide Squad is in cinemas and on HBO Max in North America from August the 6th, 2021, written and directed by James Gunn, starring Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, John Cena, Joel Kinnaman. Ready? Oh, it's IMDb, it's in a weird list. Taika Waititi, David Dasmalchian, Idris Elba, Sylvester Stallone, voicing King Shark, Alice Braga, Nathan Fillion, Michael Rooker, Jai Courtney, Viola Davis, John Cena, Pete Davidson, Daniela Maltro, Mei Ling Ng, Sean Gunn, Jennifer Holland, Peter Capaldi, Flula Borg, Steve G, Storm Reid, Joaquin Cazillo, Marisol Correa, and I've gone into the random people who are stunt teams. Oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. Oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. Right, so we got two trailers. First one uh, was a Red Band trailer that was released first, and then, so that was not long after we podcasted last time. And then just in the last few days, a new Green Band trailer dubbed the Rebellion trailer has also been released. Thoughts, Boy Wonder? Where was Flula Borg in the trailer? He's, um, that's him, as I'm pointing to the screen. He's the one in the blue and yellow. 
Ah, spandex with, man. With the blonde wig. Yes, he's the spandex man that's not Nathan Fillion. Oh. He's not arm fall off boy. He's, um, I forget which one he is now. Spandex man. We can call him spandex man, yeah. Oh, yes, my question. What did I think? Yes. Um, I thought a lot of things. Okay. Tell us about them. Um, what happened to Will Smith? I don't know that he was able to do it or that he didn't want... I don't really know what the official line is as to why he's not in this one. I think officially it was probably scheduling conflicts. But behind the scenes may have been a let's not carry over too many characters because we'd like to slightly step away from what came before. Oh, that's a shame. I liked Will Smith. I think he was very well received as Deadshot, so I think people were disappointed that he's not in this. So it would be... I, I don't also think that the door is closed. I think they're very much trying to suggest that the Suicide Squad could have a revolving door of people it doesn't have to be the same cast in every film. I suppose that's the ethos of the Suicide Squad, really. They're yeah. very disposable. There may well be like a, a cell, an empty cell or something in... Um, I was going to say Blackgate. Well, it could be Blackgate, I suppose. Uh, in Bell Rev, where he isn't, or anything like that. There could be a nod to him in this film. We don't, we don't know at this point, but he's he's definitely not in it that we are aware of. That's a shame. Did you think it looked good? Uh, I thought it looked a bit nuts. Uh, I liked the bits with Harley Quinn. She's a classic bit of humour. Yeah. Also, red and black hair for the first time. Red and black hair. It's very good. Um, so I'd be interested to see how this plays out. I, okay. I'm looking forward to it. Which of the two trailers is your favourite? Do you I, have a preference I, over the two? I do not have any preferences. The reason I say that is that there was, from my interpretation of it, there was quite a good reaction for the Red Band trailer from comic book fans. A, lo- a, lot, a lot of the comic book fans that I know and that I talk to really enjoyed that first trailer. But a lot of people who maybe aren't quite as hardcore into comics or who are maybe less familiar with Suicide Squad, said, this looks awful. And then the Green Band trailer has come out, and it seems to be more unilaterally well-received. Universally. Yes. Interesting. Is it because of the giant starfish? Starro isn't going to mean a lot to people that aren't intimately kind of familiar with the comic books, which could be problematic, I think, for some people, I suppose. I'm sure there'll be some members of the general audience that'll be confused by a, a villain that doesn't kind of have a face. When you think sort of Doomsday, which is a deep cut from the comics, he has a face. He is a, you know, he has arms and legs. He is a person. And when you think of the first Suicide Squad, even the the brother that's never named Incubus is still a person. So this is a bit different because it is a starfish without a face. But for anybody listening that isn't aware, Starro is a very, very deep cut character from DC Comics. Scott Snyder used him a fair amount, didn't he? In some of the... Was it Death Metal? Or was it his, No, it was his Justice League run, sorry. He used him in Justice League. But the way, he, the way that anybody with intimate knowledge of DC Comics would know him is he was the first villain that the Justice League ever faced. They came together to fight Starro. Starro was the villain who was on the front cover of the, the first ever comic book to feature the Justice League team. So it's a it's a big, big, deep cut DC character to use. So I'm I'm excited by that personally, but I do wonder how that will land with people that aren't familiar. I can't be any worse than the first one. So 
I was going to say I still enjoyed the first one, but it'll be interesting to see how I feel about the first one after seeing this. Exactly. Whether it will be a similar response to what happens when you watch 2017's Justice League after watching the Snyder Cut. I think we've spoken about that quite enough. Yes, we have. Uh, so, but anyway, Suicide Squad. Um, I just, I'm really intrigued to see what he does with Starro and why they're going after him and what Starro is doing. I'm really excited about where this film is set. Cartel Maltese, isn't it? Yes, it is. A place that's become very important to DC in general. It's in all the D- Arrowverse DC TV shows. It's now in this. It's uh, it's a bit of a key to to DC's live action universes, really, the Corto Maltese. Uh, again, for anybody listening that doesn't know what the Corto Maltese is, that is a fictional country which I think was first used in Tim Burton's Batman 1989. Either that or he popularised it, but it certainly has become increasingly more popular and is a a nice little easter egg to to fans who have a a working knowledge of the DC universe so they are going to the Corto Maltese to stop Starro from whatever it is he is doing an easter egg and it's easter an easter egg and it's easter yes well so you said that you really liked the Harley Quinn stuff in this any other characters that are standing out to you from the trailer thus far no I don't really know the other ones at all okay so I'm not really aware of their background or their existence. Yeah. So you've got Bloodsport, uh, played by Idris Elba. He's kind of a Superman, Superboy villain. You've got uh, the Thinker, who we know mainly, for me personally, and probably the same for you, from his season on The Flash, when he was in his big floaty chair. Oh, awful. Ratcatcher 2 is a, is a different take on Ratcatcher, who I think is a Batman villain, Polka Dot Man is a is a deep cut like Golden Age Batman villain as well. I don't know much about any of the others particularly. I think I'm most interested in Peacemaker, which is probably why they've identified him as someone to get the the spin off series for HBO Max. Oh yeah, I forgot he's doing a spin off series. Yeah, but he is a standout in both of those trailers. I mean, in the Red Band trailers, this is uh, the character played by John Cena. In the in the Red Band trailer, you get the bag of dicks. Which is just a weird thing to say. Conversation between him, Ratcatcher, and Bloodsport, and then in the Green Band trailer, you get the the scene where he says, "I'm I'm dedicated something like I'm a dedicated follower of peace, and I will kill absolutely any man, woman, and child that it takes to get it." Which is kind of his ethos. Which is he is absolutely hell bent on having peace, and he will kill anyone to have peace. Which is the the weird twisted character history with him. I mean, if you. You'll, you'll probably get there. There's nobody left. <laughs> yeah. We get to see Armful Off Boy actually have his art, or TDK as he's known in this, uh, which is Nathan Fillion's character. We actually get to, weirdly, we get to see him have his arms fall off in the Green Band trailer, not in the Red Band trailer. We don't get to see any of Mongal in the Red Band trailer, but she is in the Green Band trailer as well. So we, we haven't really fully seen everyone yet because it is a massive cast, but it just looks like there's so much going on. Do you think, given that it's James Gunn, it feels similar to his work at A Another Company? No. Me neither, which but, is nice. No. Yeah. There's a perception that, oh, they hired James Gunn because he, you know, he gave birth to the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise for Marvel and then took the chance to seize him when Marvel temporarily got rid of him before they brought him back in. And that DC was just looking for a clone of Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm mean, fair enough. They may well have said, 
the Suicide Squad are a comedic group of non-heroes. They're not necessarily villains. Uh, and we need to do something with them because it didn't quite work the first time round. Who, who's done a good movie like that recently? Oh, James Gunn. But I do think he's managed to create something that doesn't just feel like Warner Brothers' version of Guardians of the Galaxy. They're quite different characters. I mean, they're not in space. There are bound to be comparisons drawn. I mean, you've got Sean Gunn as Weasel, who is sort of your rocket raccoon replacement. I don't; those characters aren't similar, but they are fully CGI furry creatures, as it were. And then you have King Shark, who's almost like your Groot replacement. Only, uh, you know, Groot is voiced by Vin Diesel. I was going to say The Rock, Vin Diesel, and uh, here you've got King Shark voiced by Sylvester Stallone, which is flipping genius, if you ask me. I mean, you, you don't even get to hear that much dialogue from him other than, hand. So I don't know how much he will actually speak, but it's just as hilarious. I mean, Sylvester Stallone was in um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Was he? So has worked with, yeah. He was the leader, I think, of the previous version of the Guardians. Yeah. Remember when they, or is it the, I could be getting this wrong, uh, stipulation, I cannot stand Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and I've only managed to sit through it once. When one of the characters, can't remember who, is hanging out with Yondu, the blue guy, Michael Rooker from Walking Dead, who's also in the Suicide Squad, they meet another sort of group of people who is like a precursor to the Guardians of the Galaxy and Sylvester Stallone is the leader. Mm, I I've blocked that film out my memory. Well, we're in the middle of a Marvel rewatch at the moment, so we're going to get around to Guardians of the Galaxy 2 quite soon. That will refresh our memory, as it were. I am with you. I do think that Harley Quinn is a standout in this, but then she always is. Margot Robbie is just synonymous with Harley Quinn, as is Tara Strong, as is Kaylee Cuoco. So, you know, it's amazing how many people have embodied her and done such an amazing job of it. It's going to be cool to see whether this has any ties back to Birds of Prey and whether we see that this is like the next step on for her because it seems like we've gone from the completely hung up on the Joker trying to get over the Joker to absolute like badass potential leader of the team type character here so at this point she's got to be tied with Henry Cavill for sort of most appearances in the DC universe as it is I mean you've got Cavill in Man of Steel Batman vs Superman Justice League Ben Affleck in Batman vs Superman, Suicide Squad and Justice League. I suppose he'll have the Flash. Gal, Gal, I suppose Gal is the leader, isn't she? Because she's had Wonder Woman, what, Batman vs Superman, Wonder Woman, Justice League and Wonder Woman 1984. But Harley's now up there as the one that's almost led the most films. Which is kind of not a surprise, but has, isn't something that I've consciously been aware of. No, I can't say I've ever spent any time thinking about that. <laughs> Anything else about the Suicide Squad trailer before we move on? No. Okie dokie. Well, the Suicide Squad is in theatres and on HBO Max in North America from August the 6th and releases in cinemas here in the UK. Hopefully, when they are open, again, the plan is for August, but we will have to wait and see if that's how things pan out. Last DC piece of news for today is the casting announcement and first trailer for Warner Brothers Animation's Batman The Long Halloween Part 1. This film doesn't have a release date as yet, but is expected to arrive in summer. Uh, when I drafted up 
the plans for this podcast. We only had a first look image and an idea of the cast, but as of last night, the trailer for this film dropped, so we now have a better idea about what to expect. So, casting. This is from IMDb, so I apologise for the order, but you have David Das Malchian, who I still don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, who we've just been discussing as Polka Dot Man, who is appearing as Calendar Man in this film. Jensen Ackles, who takes over the voice of Batman Bruce Wayne. Joy Baker as the Joker. Jack Quaid as Alberto Falcone. Josh Duhamel as Harvey Dent. Titus Welliver as Carmine Falcone. Naya Rivera as Catwoman, Selina Kyle. Amy Landecker as Barbara Gordon. Billy Burke as James Gordon. Fred Tatascure as Solomon Grundy. Probably pronounced that wrong, I'm very, very sorry. Alistair Duncan as Alfred Pennyworth. Julie Nathanson as Gilda Dent. And there are a few other voices, but they don't have character names. I don't want to linger on this one too long because we'll have a much bigger podcast discussion about this one later on when it's released, no doubt. But what did you think of the trailer? Or what do you think of the, the first look of this? I liked it. How do you think that this film looks like it's going to adapt into the kind of newer art style of uh, DC's animated movies? You know, I'm not a fan of the new art style, but I think it actually worked quite well for this story. Okay, so we've seen... Uh, we, in terms of Martin and I, have seen two films in this so far because, obviously, we've had Superman Man of Tomorrow that released back in October of last year, and then we have also seen Justice Society uh, World War Two, which I've said once in this podcast, but we'll discuss later on. Uh, so we have already seen that as well, which has a slightly adapted version of that artwork, uh, which is been made to reflect a little more of the aesthetic of the long halloween which has some slightly more detailed backgrounds so i think there was a feeling that man of tomorrow was maybe a little sparse in the background so we've kind of updated things a little bit more to make it slightly more immersive uh, i'm doing that long-winded thing again mm-hmm. uh, back to you so thoughts on the art style uh, it was nice <laughs> good penmanship i had a feeling that it was going to suit the aesthetic of batman better than it did superman and so I wasn't surprised to see that it did the the kind of the thicker outlines and the slightly more stark shadows and the way they play some of the colours off each other fits Batman better, I think. Because it's darker, it fits the darker colour palette more. Uh, yep, good use of dark blue. <laughs> All right, I get the hint. Uh, so one of the things that people will often discuss when they, they go ahead and do one of these adaptations of a well known story is how are they going to change it what will be different so hush uh, a spoiler alert for anybody that's not seen hush but they they changed the villain at the end of that film and that is something that they have done regularly with some of these stories to try and make them fit the continuity better or to make them slightly less complex for the audience because you haven't got you know 350 pages of a comic book so do you think that from that first glimpse it's going to stick closely to the story? Can you see them adapting it and changing it slightly? I'd imagine they probably will do because there's a lot of story in the in the three-part series. So it's only a two-part film. Well, they're only covering the long Halloween with this. They're not covering, as far as I'm aware, Haunted Night and Dark Victory. So this is just the long Halloween part of the story. But that is still the biggest book of um, it's Jeff Loeb, isn't it? Yeah, it's the biggest book of Jeff Loeb's trilogy. It's still a lot of stories to tell. Yeah, I'm glad they split it into two. Okay, let's not linger on this one too long because we literally only have like a minute and a half trailer for it. Thoughts on Jensen Ackles as Batman? I mean, I'm up for that. 
by that do you mean i really hope we get to interview him because i'll do it no i'm not interviewing him <laughs> okay not after matt ryan you're like oh you were flirting let's oh, interview and matt ryan oh, oh, oh. nicola agreed with me anyway uh you get to well, hear a little bit of that batman voice in the trailer how did it how did it sit with you it, it felt very Batman. It was it fit in really well with the nice use of dark blue and the busy backgrounds. Stop mocking me. <laughs> and the play of light. I thought he had a good tone about him. I don't know. I agree. I think he did have a really good tone about him. I thought it was going to sound a lot more like Jensen Ackles and actually it didn't. It sounded like Jensen Ackles as Batman. Obviously we've heard him as Red Hood before. So there's a lot of people that are a bit like, whoa, that's my Red Hood. What are you doing? I mean, it's a damn good Red Hood as well. Mm. There's one obviously very sad point about the cast in this film, which is that Naya Rivera, the the late star of Glee, is voicing Selena Kyle Catwoman. We understand that she completed all of her dialogue recording sessions before she sadly passed away last July. Uh, so they obviously record these things a long time before they released. Mm. Um, but she, so she will have a complete performance across the two parts. She sounds excellent from the trailer. It didn't if. If I didn't know that it was her from the snippet of Catwoman that you see in this trailer, I wouldn't have said, oh, that's Naya Rivera from Glee. I often wondered how they match up the vocals to the lips moving. Other way around. They will record basic dialogue. So they have a script. They will maybe have storyboards and they'll record the dialogue and then do the final animation quite often to match the actor's performance. So that'd be why they record so far in advance. Yeah, probably. There you go. Yeah, because they'll do final animation tweaking to make it match the, the actor somewhat so that it, it feels more natural. God, it must be hard work having to draw those lips. <laughs> I'm sure it does. So you get glimpses in this trailer of Joker, Solomon Grundy. Who else is in there? Uh, Calendar Man. Calendar Man. Harvey Dent, not Two-Faced. Catwoman. There's there's quite a few Bat-villains in there, as there Batman. are in the book. Ant-Man. Batman. Oh. I was talking about villains. Oh, sorry, I thought it was just naming characters. No. No, what I was going to say was, what did you think of the villain designs that we got to see? I thought Joker looked quite cool. Another slightly different interpretation of the Joker, but still with the the purple. Catwoman looks great. Everyone looked really great to me. Yeah. Good. I think a lot hangs on this, just because of the fact that we're seeing, most likely, the birth of a new sort of shared universe. So these versions of the characters may well be the versions that we're with for the next few years should they turn up in other films. Will we get a little sneaky peek of Robin? Well, we might do. I can't... Who? Yeah, Robin's in this book, isn't he? Yeah, it's part of his origin, isn't there? Him sort of taking down Harvey Dent, Two-Face. I forget. Which one of the Robins is it in this book? Grayson. Because if I say the other way, you'll just giggle like a showgirl. <laughs> yeah, I will. Uh, also, why we can never visit Lake Titicaca. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that is probably enough for the DC news for uh, this podcast. So Batman, The Long Halloween Part 1 is due for a release in summer. We don't have an exact release date yet. We'll have a better idea once Justice Society World War II, more on that later, uh, is released. So from a massive roundup of DC news to a massive roundup of Star Trek news. Are we going to go where no man has gone before? No one has gone before. No one, sorry. Yes. No person. Exactly. So uh, April 5th was First Contact Day because on April 5th, 2063, Vulcans first landed on Earth after they spotted the warp signature from Zephyr and Cochrane's warp test ship. Go me. 
2063. So it's only 42 years away. God. 42 years away from First Contact. Uh, I'm sure I'll be long dead by then. But to celebrate First Contact Day, it's now become a very similar celebration to May the 4th for Star Wars. So the people at Paramount Plus and CBS held a number of panels uh, throughout the day, uh, just with members of the Star Trek history, talking about the love of Trek and First Contact, uh, the film which we watched that day as well, and there were a number of reveals. So the first one uh, was the first teaser and cast announcement for Star Trek Picard Season 2. So the brief teaser that was released confirms that Star Trek Picard won't be returning for Season 2 until 2022. It won't be until next year, so we've got a bit of a wait ahead of us for that one. But they've been filming for around 3-4 weeks now. There's no new footage in the teaser itself, but there is a a number of pieces of new dialogue which all work along a particular theme, which seems to be time. And it ends with a very familiar voice saying, The trial never ends. That then led into the confirmation that John Delancey is returning as Q. We don't know how many episodes, but he is certainly back for season two. Thoughts? Very exciting. Very exciting. That seems like a heavily loaded teaser to me. I mean, Picard says the word time a lot. Time doesn't offer second chances. Time, you know... uh, For tea. For tea. Time to play chess but there are a number of different things that are passed over in the in the visuals of the trailer you see uh, picard's original ship you see a com badge you see a uh, sand egg timer where the the time is moving backwards clearly time is going to be a focus in season two i don't know what that means but it's exciting and the trial never ended so the trial of humanity yes the trial of humanity never ended so that seems to be what q is around for Patrick Stewart mentioned during the Picard panel that Q's arrival happens at a shattering moment for Picard. And then he he said that, and then he said, a literal shattering moment. And he said, I don't know if the events that happen as Q returns are to do with Q. I, I still don't know that from the scripts yet. But it, he said it is a moment for which he is still trying to process how to play the trauma that Picard will face because of it. Mm. Yeah. So it sounds huge. It sounds really, really big. No, it's Q, it's not Hugh. <laughs> I said huge, not Hugh. Any anticipation? Any thoughts on where you'd like that story to go if it's got a time aspect to it? Well, you can go anywhere, can't you? You can go to it. I mean, obviously they're, they're all a little bit older than they used to be. John Delancey joked that he's going to have to make up some sort of line where Q says I've had to update my image to match you old Picard because obviously he himself is also older. That would make sense. A lot of people saying that if Q's back he needs to face Janeway. They do have a good on screen relationship. (laughs) Yes but this is Star Trek Picard not Star Trek Janeway. I know but you know Auntie Kathy. Will Q's son be there? Lady Q. Lady Q. Well world of possibilities I mean Q you generally kind of I don't know about you but I would associate him with slightly more comedic episodes yes I, I guess his first appearance is very serious and he he is the reason that we were first introduced to the Borg but in later seasons and in Voyager particularly he's much more of a comedic foil than a villain but given the tone of Picard I'm going to guess that they're going to do something slightly more I don't know, maybe they're taking a cue from sort of Loki in a way. He's a Loki-type character. He's sort of that impish, 
Trickster. Trickster. Yeah. So I I just wonder what what they're going to do with him. But I'm excited to see what they do with him. I'm ready. Okay. What Probably not a lot more than we can say on that one because yeah. we're we're a long way away from. Oh, whoopee! Ready for some whoopee? Yeah. So Goldberg. <laughs> there was. Uh, I've not seen and I've not laid my hands on the press release that goes with it, but um, they did confirm that returning alongside Patrick Stewart are the entire main cast of the last season. So uh, the absolutely wonderful Alison Pill, who I'm watching in Amazon's uh, Them at the moment, where she's outstanding, is back. Isa Briones is back as not Daj. I can't remember what the twin was called. Uh, you've got... Um, Evan Evagora is back as Romulan Legolas. <laughs> this is me trying to remember everyone's name off the top of my head. Uh, Michelle Hurd is back as Raffi. Use your elven eyes. <laughs> you've also uh, you've also got Captain Rios is back, and Seven of Nine. Uh, Jerry Ryan is listed as being a returning cast member. So I don't know what level she is a returning cast member, but she was obviously with Picard when we left it. And she was a guest star before, whereas now she's listed as a returning cast member. So I'm going to guess she's fairly major. However, where they then list John Delancey as re- uh, reprising his role as, as Q, they don't mention Whoopi Goldberg. Obviously, we know he invited her back and she has talked openly about the fact that she will be back. But whether there's maybe a question mark over making it work because of COVID, I don't know. But she's not listed in the in the press release. They'll make it work. I'm sure they'll make it work. And if we could have more of Jonathan Frakes, who is directing more episodes, and uh, Marina Sirtis, I would be very happy about that. Oh, Brent Spiner is back as well, sorry. So presumably he will continue to play the son? It was the son, wasn't it, of Data's creator, where um, we last saw him, he presumably will be back. Talking about the MOT and old Picard's new body? Potentially, yeah. Where we tune up. As well as the announcement of John Delancey returning as Q, we got our first look at Captain Janeway from Nickelodeon, although it's premiering on Paramount Plus before it goes to Nickelodeon, uh, animated series Star Trek Prodigy. So this is the series where a group of ragtag non-Starfleet kids uh, commandeer a Starfleet ship to go on their own little exploratory mission. That was all we knew. We'd seen a uh, a fixture. We'd seen a picture of the cast before, not including Janeway. It does look like one of the kids is a Talaxian. So it did give a hint that maybe this series might be set somewhere specific. Uh, But now we know that it is set in the Delta Quadrant. It is a Starfleet ship, but uh, the kids that commandeer the ship aren't aware of Starfleet. Uh, It's not because it's set in the future and the burn has happened and no one knows. It's set after the events of Voyager. So Voyager has ended. They're back in the the Alpha Quadrant. And it's after Nemesis. So in the Alpha Quadrant, Janeway is now an admiral. Presumably, Starfleet has sent some ships to the Delta Quadrant. I guess using the old transwarp. Conduit. Otherwise, it would take a long time to get there. And those ships are equipped with an emergency... Um, I've forgotten what it's called. Command hologram? It's like an emergency educational hologram, uh, of which in the Delta Quadrant it's Janeway, which makes perfect sense because who do you want to help you navigate the Delta Quadrant should you go there other than Janeway? Emergency training hologram is what Mm. she's called. And that is why... uh, See, one of the things that people had focused on in all of the, the press materials about this show... Uh, before now was the fact that she was listed as Captain Janeway 
So it was Kate Mulgrew was returning as Captain Janeway, not Kate Mulgrew was returning as Catherine Janeway or returning as Admiral Janeway, which kind of gave way to theories that this might be what would happen, and it's now obviously been confirmed. So we've seen her. What do you think of the way she looks? She looks very Captain Catherine Janeway. Looks like she's got the old sort of season one hair rather than the old sort of season three onwards hair. I know that's a big thing. Well, I mean, she just... It looks a bit more relaxed when she lets it down. She even said it's a big deal. Yeah. She said the hair has a life of its own. It does. I mean, she's when that hair's down, you know she's feeling it. She actually said uh, in her panel uh, that she appeared on as part of uh, First Contact Day that there were several months of arguments over the look of Janeway because she felt they'd made her too beautiful and they were saying, you need to make her less beautiful, please. Um, and they went back and forth on it for a long time till they settled on a few minor tweaks to make her feel more comfortable with how she looked too beautiful mm. we know very little else about the show other than starfleet vessel delta quadrant kids that don't know about starfleet i wonder how they get to the delta quadrant because if you used a conduit they destroyed all them when they came back from they the did, delta quadrant. They? yeah gosh destroyed the hub the nexus well this is a show aimed at quite young kids so i don't know how much they will put in it in terms of context for for those of us who will watch it anyway, as Star Trek fans. Oh, well, I'm sure somebody will complain about it. There'll be something wrong with it somewhere. So it was set to debut on Nickelodeon. It's now debuting on Paramount Plus later this year and will then air on Nickelodeon. It's not that the the deal has been undone or anything like that, or Nickelodeon didn't want it anymore, or other such nonsense that certain YouTubers might tell you. It's just that Paramount Plus is becoming the home of Star Trek and it will, it will move out from there. We don't know when it's going to... Uh, premiere yet other than it's going to be later this year or possibly early next year they've been working on it for quite a while it's been two years since this series was first announced or first mooted for these animated series yeah and this All is the rendering so this is a cgi one this mm-hmm. isn't uh this isn't like lower decks uh, this All is the a... rendering <laughs> if you're rendering water you're done for ice and snow sorry i forget you're the world's foremost authority on rendering h2o materials in cgi We'll be keeping a close eye on this one, I'm sure, because you are a massive Voyager fan. Voyager is your your number one of the Star Trek world. Number one. So I'm expecting you to report back on how this show is once it's out. Oh, aye aye, Captain. I've got my pad ready. Next on the list of Star Trek stories was a surprise trailer for Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2. The surprise announcement of the day was that Lower Decks will return for Season 2 in North America on Paramount Plus on August the 12th, which is around a year after the first season debuted. Trailer looks like so much fun! I am already missing this show and it's not been that long since we watched it. Looks insane in the membrane. Yeah, so talking about it, the showrunner Mike McMahon said that he felt, looking back at Season 1, that they very much felt like they had to prove themselves and prove that they belonged in the Star Trek canon. And that's why they spent a lot of time referencing Star Trek. It was a very self-referential show, and we've talked about that on on this show in the past. He said, when it comes to talking about season two, the word that he uses the most is balance. He feels this is much more balanced in that it is still self-referential, but he feels like they've proven that they deserve to be part of the Star Trek canon and Star Trek lore now. So they're able to do more of their own stuff and don't have to spend so much time looking at the past or pointing out to people that it's Star Trek because people will now recognise it as Star Trek. There's some really fun looking stuff in that trailer. So you get to see Mariner doing uh, one of the the 
ridiculous like sports things from Next Generation where she's in the red padded suit with the sticks, which is hilarious. Boimler is still on the on the ship with Riker, so Jonathan Frakes, who is just absolute Star Trek history at this point. I mean, starred in the Next Generation, had guest spots in Voyager, directed episodes of Deep Space Nine, Voyager, directed Star Trek movies, has directed episodes of Discovery, came back for Picard, directed episodes of Picard and voice spots in Lower Decks. He is absolutely Star Trek history. Uh, so he's going to be back in it, but I don't believe that Marina Sirtis is. I think I don't think we spend a huge amount of time on that ship, so Troy is not necessarily back, unfortunately, but still so much fun. I can't imagine that they're going to want to keep Boimler separate for too long. Yeah, They're going to want to put that cast back together. Any little highlight moments for you from that trailer? No, just that all looks a bit cray-cray and Looks pretty good and fun. I mean, it was a surprise for the two of us that we enjoyed it because the fact that it came from minds of Ricky... I always call it Ricky and Morty. Rick and Morty. That's not... We've talked about it again before on this podcast. It's not really something that we watched, so we were both... We went into this with some trepidation, did we not? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we were both bowled over and sold on it pretty quickly. Ricky and Morty. So they the East End version. Ricky. Ricky Morty. Ricky. I do it all the time. Even when I write Rick and Morty, I always write Ricky and then have to correct myself. So Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2 will premiere in North America on August the 12th, 2021. We don't know when it will come to Amazon Prime internationally yet, but we will keep you up to date and expect us to talk a lot more about this show when it's back. If you don't like woke, get out the room. <laughs> Last up from the world of Star Trek is another surprise trailer for Discovery Season 4. Now, I admittedly thought that Discovery, and I'd forgotten it, even though we've talked about it on this podcast, uh, Discovery actually started filming Season 4 in November, which is how there is so much footage. I, For some reason, I had in my head uh, when they released the trailer that they'd started filming around the same time as Picard Season 2, so I was just shocked at how much they had. Uh, wow, this looks amazing. Discovery... Which, again, I keep saying we've talked about it on this podcast before, but season three of Discovery really smashed it out of the park for me. I would say by far the best series of Discovery to date. So I'm very excited to see what they do next. Smashed it. Sorry, I couldn't... It's not the same compared Smashed it. <laughs> do you want to repeat yourself? Smashed it. You agree with me? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure? I don't know. Because you weren't sure when we podcasted about it. Wasn't I? No, you felt that season three meandered a little bit. Did I? Yeah, mm. but you did like the fact that it all became a sort of an emotional, lovey ending. I don't remember that. I don't. I don't think I've ever used the word meandered. <laughs> well, so remember we talked about the burn and the fact that the burn turned out to be that kid being angry, um, and that his his kind of his emotion was amplified by where he was, and that's what made all the dilithium explode. And I said I felt slightly odd about it just because it didn't feel very trekky and you said no but star trek is discovery it's ultimately a story about family and togetherness and emotional responses and that that's what wow it was about i'm quite impressed with myself there i mean that sounds quite intelligent doesn't it if you go back a few months in podcasts you can listen to yourself talk about it no i won't be doing that i'll just take your word for it I mean, I did ultimately feel it was an amazing season. I just, I, I felt like the burn didn't end up being quite what I thought it was going to be. But I this looks really day, interesting yeah. to me. This looks like they have slightly capitalised 
capitalise is probably the wrong word, on COVID, as it were, that sounds like they've done a bad thing. They haven't done a bad thing. Uh, it looks like the storyline is some sort of... Did they have to start selling PPE? Or... <laughs> no. Uh, the suggestion is that there's some sort of villain or thing that is a threat to the entire universe and is a threat to separating everyone again and that they have to find each other and work together in order to get through it, which feels like a COVID analogy to me. Did you did you not get that sense? Uh, I, yeah, I was right in there with it. Art imitating life and all that. It's a bit laddish. Was it? It was a bit, wasn't it? <laughs> New uniforms. Discuss. Oh, thank God. I don't like the grey. So there was a... Uh, the the trailer itself was introduced by Sonequa Martin-Green. And just before that, there was a panel with the costume designers. There was a panel on bringing Trek to life. So it was about prop design, set design, costume design. Uh, and they had the costume designer on, who is the same person who designed those grey uniforms. And what she'd said was, when they did season three, those uniforms looked great against the kind of blue lit uh federation space station because it was very it was it wasn't very gray it wasn't very much like you'd see in some of the classic shows it was very sort of tealy blue i'm trying to picture it in my head and it was very blue so the gray stood out but the the discovery bridge and the discovery sets do have a lot of gray in them and she kind of said that when they came to kind of test and start shooting season four it became obvious really quickly that actually those costumes faded into the background quite a lot and looked quite dull, so that's why they, they've changed them to the, the more colourful uniforms. Yeah, I'm not a fan of a grey uniform. I myself wear a grey uniform. You do wear a grey uniform, that exact, pretty much the exact same grey that they were, wore in season three. And it's not a flat one colour, I mean, especially for me. I mean, I'm as pale as a milk bottle, so you just sort of fade away into it. You need, <laughs> a, of, you need a bit of colour. So they had grey with a stripe down it for their command chain, didn't they? So they had the yellow, the red, and the blue. Whereas now it's uh, a whole uniform, which is in that, or like a uh, top half of the uniform, which yeah. is in that colour with a with a strip of grey down it. I don't have a, a command stripe down my uniform. The only thing that gets me, because I think of him as an engineer rather than a scientist, is Stamets, because Stamets is in blue, and I expect to see him in yellow. But he is obviously he is a scientist. It's just weird to think that it's a scientist running engineering. Well, he doesn't really run engineering, though, does he? He runs that little sort of. Lab. Lab. Which I think of as engineering because that's where they propulse themselves from. Well, you don't ever really go to engineering, do you? you don't Is that see a word? the warp drive. Have we, I don't know that we've propulse ever seen... Propulse themselves. <laughs> they don't make a smoothie. <laughs> Have we ever seen um, the warp core of the Discovery? No, it's always been about the spore drive. Yeah. So I, I don't really know what engineering looks like on that ship. Well, it's probably weird. I mean, you saw what the Jeffrey strip looked like. True. Uh, so I, presumably when we see her, Tig Nataro's character will be in, in yellow because she... Or gold, sorry, because she is an engineer. Although she's restricted the number of episodes she's doing this year because of commuting and COVID and stuff. So we won't see quite as much of her. Which is a shame because her and Stamets are amazing together. But I'm so excited. And thankfully the trailer confirms that the, the new series will be coming this year. So we will we'll have... Um, lower decks first in summer presumably they'll do something similar and they'll do like a 24 weeks of trek so there'll be like 10 12 13 episodes of lower decks and that will then run straight into into discovery i would imagine then hopefully we don't have too long to wait after that before picard is back nothing on brave new worlds which is shooting at the moment it just makes me think of the aladdin song a brave new world isn't that a whole new world? Well, it's a brave new world. Yeah. Okay, so Brave New World started filming around Disengage the same. Engage the warp drive. Sorry, 
Brave New World started filming around the same time as Picard, so they don't have very much yet, which is why there wasn't any footage. Would have liked a set photo or something. Just just a little tease. Just a little tease. Um, and then obviously we don't we don't know when Prodigy will air either, but there's a, there's a lot of Trek coming. A lot of Trek. It was all focused on TV, so there was no... Well, there were panels on first contact the film but in terms of looking ahead it was all panels focused on tv so no clearer yet as to knowing when if or how star trek will reappear on the big screen it'll be coming by a slipstream quantum jump warp whatever conduit it's coming in other news sony pictures has delayed its marvel film venom which it's only by one week but, oh, you know, still it's still news. bloody news. I mean, it's, we've been here for days. I know, we've been here for 56 minutes and we're still on the news. Please I told don't. you it was a big news roundup. So Venom was due to release mid-September. It will now release on the 24th of September 2021. So it's getting close. It's April, May, June, July. Oh, it's only five months away. Oh, we should be getting a trailer soon. It's going to release fairly close to um, a few other big films. So you'll have Ghostbusters out around that time. June will be coming out around that time. Quite a few big films. It's going to be a tough release window just because so many studios have held back films, which will then be all sort of dropping once cinemas. Exactly. The back half of the year is just going to be hit after hit after, well, maybe not hit after hit, but release after release after release. You can't hold them anymore. Arms are too tired. Have them all. We know very little about this film. Tom Hardy is back. It will uh, star Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy, otherwise known as Carnage, because the film is Venom semicolon let there be carnage michelle williams is back as Anne as well the ex love interest slash she venom and it is directed by andy circus any we we tom hollands oh well swinging in so that was that a moo point unconfirmed confirmed rumors um Naomi Harris is also in this film who you would know as money penny from the most recent bond films um. she's playing shriek Stephen Graham is also in this film as an un, uh, unknown role. Reed Scott is back as Dan Lewis, uh, Anne's new partner. I'm just going through the, um, the cast list on IMDb just in case there is a mention of Tom Holland. I highly doubt that there is. I mean, it would be very exciting if it was. We shall have to wait and see, really. He's not He's not on the cast list. I'll tell you that for now. Probably like a wee end credit scene or something. It would be nice if they could weave it all together, but we'll have to wait and see. Given that Spider-Man, no place like home? Yes. Long way home, no way home. The new Spider-Man is supposed to be very Spider-Verse in nature. It wouldn't surprise me if they try and kind of weave in Venom, but we'll have to wait and see. I would love to see Tom Hardy's Venom with with the white spider logo on his chest. It would be nice to see, given how well he did in the first film, in my opinion, it would be nice to see him get to play the true Venom rather than the sort of slightly knockoff version. Budget Venom. Budget Venom. Poundland Venom. Last news story for this podcast <sighs> at 59 minutes in. Netflix has released a trailer today, in fact, as we are recording this, it just came out a couple of hours ago, a trailer for their adaption of Mark Miller's Jupiter's Legacy. It's not a comic book that I have read. It's not a comic book that you have read. How do you but know? It, oh, have you read Mark Miller's Jupiter's Legacy? No, I haven't. There you go. Uh, but it looks like a potential huge hit for Netflix. The The scale of it looks brilliant. The casting looks amazing. The whole thing looks very, very cool. There's a huge cast for this series, which includes Josh Duhamel, Ben Daniels, Leslie Bibb, Meg Steedle, Anna Akana, Tyrone Benskin, 
Jess Salguero, Gracie Zenny, Humberley Gonzalez, Morgan David Jones, Tyler Main, Ian Quinlan, Paul Amos, Genevieve DeGraves, and a, and a hell of a lot more. It's a huge cast. What do you think of this trailer? As it's a property that you don't know about. The synopsis for this one is six ordinary people were once given extraordinary powers that would impact them and the world over the next 100 years. Jupiter's legacy spans a century, following a family grappling with the pressures of being superheroes in the present day, while also revealing their journey in 1929 to become those superheroes. As these eight episodes progress, their stories unfold across timelines and were introduced to their children, the next generation of young, disillusioned heroes. What we're left with is a shocking end that blurs the lines of good and evil. Ooh. What do you think? It looks pretty interesting. Bit of a... Netflix are rocking these, you know, straight to Netflix series, aren't they? They are. It, I mean, the it looks big budget. The special effects that you get to see in this trailer look really, really good. The costume designs look great. I'm intrigued to know whether it's um, the wonderful LJ super suits. It kind of looks like her handiwork, uh, but I'm not entirely sure that it is. I, I could be completely wrong. But the company that do the boys and Titans and, and the other big hitters. But when you think about those kinds of shows, actually, this feels like it's it's on that kind of level. Mm. Anything that stood out to you from watching that? This is the first time you've watched it, wasn't it? Yes. No. Just that uh, it looks pretty intense, big budget, um, interesting dynamic, how it's superheroes and uh, the young social media type influencer, bad boy, playboy, press type. I'm just saying words now. No, I know what you mean, though. It's yeah. it. It feels very contemporary with the the kids and then feels very sort of classic Justice Society, Justice League type with the with the parents. Yep, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> well, have you got any any plans sort of right now? Right now? Um need to make the dinner. So. Okay. Just because Netflix has just sent me all eight episodes. Oh, okay. So yeah. we can crack on with it right now. Literally, they've just emailed, as you were watching the trailer, to say, mm-hmm. we've sent you all eight episodes. So, well. roll your sleeves up and get ready for some Jupiter's Legacy. Uh, I think I'll leave my sleeves down, but I'll still watch it. It's coming to Netflix with all eight episodes from May the 7th, 2021. If you've not checked out the trailer yet, or if you've not checked out any of the trailers or any of the stuff that we've just talked about, then you can head over to our website, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk, and you can find all the latest news as well as a uh nothing short of a shit ton of reviews because <gasps> everyone has been working their asses off in this last month and i'm very proud of everyone we're at an hour and two minutes so i'm giving you a get out of jail free card for your comic book review of titans academy which you were going to do this episode yeah i mean that's news to me i no it's not we've talked about it before <laughs> okay. oh, God. Don't, don't you go there the fingers come out <laughs> I'm also giving myself a get-out-of-jail-free card for my review of Boom Studios' Faith that I was going to do, which was a a Buffy-related one-shot. Just in this last couple of minutes, a few recommendations from us for things to watch, things to read. I have just finished uh, binging Amazon Prime's Them, which is a, uh, in air quotes, terror anthology. It's kind of like um, a very racially charged story with aspects of The Shining in it. It's probably the best way to describe the sort of horror element. It's a 10-episode season which will debut on Amazon Prime from this Friday, the 9th of April. I'm also watching Invincible. I've yet to get you to watch this show yet. We've seen four episodes, or I've seen four episodes, which is based off the Robert Kirkman Image Comics comic of the same name. It's flipping brilliant. 
I highly recommend you watch it if you're not watching it already. I've also just watched the first two episodes of Creepshow Season 2 from Shudder, which is uh, it's the classic uh, horror anthology. Uh, you get the, the creepy guy that looks a bit like the Iron Man, Iron Man? Iron Maiden mascot, and uh, he's like the storyteller, and then you get two stories per episode, which are, which are different horror shorts. Brilliant, brilliant series, which Shudder has brought back from the dead, as it were. Anything that you have been watching or reading that you would like to recommend? Um, I don't know really. I'm not really. I'm still doing my a rewatch of old things to comfort me in these COVID times. So I'm rewatching Game of Thrones because it's the the Iron Anniversary. So I've of got, course, ten uh, years 10 since years, Game of Thrones yeah. first screened. It's quite depressing, really. Mm. Um, I be, I was really enjoying it, and now I've got to the point where things are starting to to not be as good, or not as good, but storylines are starting to you know get close to the end and we know how we feel about the end so we'll see how we feel when we when we watch that again and i have been rereading my sandman slim series my book series because that's coming to an end this year so that's coming to the i think it's the 13th book it ends in august so i'm working my way back through. oh yeah i'd forgotten all about that so i'm building up to the final i'm quite sad about that really it's yeah and still no closer to there being a film or tv adaption no, I mean, uh, who bought the rights? Oh, wasn't it Del Torre or wasn't it Simon Pegg? No, he bought the rights to Rivers of London. That was Rivers of London. Yeah, um, I can't remember who owned. Um, I think it was Sandman. Galamio. What's that? I can never remember. Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. That's it. Not Galamio. He's not a box of chocolates. That's Guillermo. Uh, yeah. So I've been rereading that again up until the final book later this year. I'm trying to think what I've been reading. I was a very lucky boy and got sent a copy of um the original book of chaos walking i the knife of never letting go couldn't think of the name of it by patrick ness so i'm going to try and crack into that i think keep trying to keep up with my comic books it's just I, even though i don't have i've kind of thinned the herd a little bit but it's just so much to read at the moment it's quite difficult film wise godzilla versus kong is out at the moment to rent on pay video on demand services in the uk we watched it recently a very big thank you to warner brothers for including us in their kind of streaming premiere event what were your thoughts on that one just not well this isn't a long review this is just snap thoughts on godzilla versus kong oh um, it was all right (laughs) i thoroughly enjoyed the monster action i did feel like it kept uh, some of the issues from king of the monsters with the human characters taking up a lot of the the time and not being the most interesting characters but the monster action more than made up for it i would like to see more and i i'd like to see less of the humans more of the monsters i think they've opened up some avenues where it could go next given that it seems to be doing really well yeah i'm not that fast to see more you've also got tom and jerry which is currently available on pay video on demand rental services in the uk that's another warner brothers film it's a great one for the kids i watched it recently and it was it was a lot of fun it's as a, as a fully grown adult who grew up watching some of the Tom and Jerry cartoons, I'm really not a fully grown adult, but you know what I mean. Um, You're adult sized. I'm adult sized. It it didn't quite live up to my my memories of Tom and Jerry, but I think it's a great one for kids. You've also got Raya and the Last Dragon, which is now uh, more widely available. So it was one of the the Disney Plus premiere access titles that you had to to pay extra for. It's now more widely available, and you can rent and own it today from itunes and other platforms another one that i highly recommend it was a really really nice touching film and you can read a great review of it from james over on our website 
I think we're about out of time. Any ideas what we're going to cover when we're back in a few weeks? Not a scooby dooby dooby doo. Oh, apparently I'm going to review a comic. Oh, I think you've got a little bit of an idea about what we're doing next. Do I? I've mentioned it a number of times and said more on that later. Oh, is this Justice Society, yes. World War Two One? So I do have to admit that it has been three weeks since our last podcast. It's been three weeks since my last confession, because we took a we took a week out to just rest up because it's been a difficult few weeks just in general, and because of that, our next scheduled episode is going to be another three weeks from now. We're not going to stick to three weeks after this. It's just a case of scheduling, unfortunately. But when we are back in three weeks' time, which will be roughly the twenty seventh, twenty eighth of April. Justice Society World War II will be available to purchase on digital platforms. It comes to DVD and Blu-ray at the beginning of May. And we will have a number of guests with us that day. Will we not, Boy Wonder? We shall. I was recently very, very lucky uh, to sit down and chat about Justice Society World War II with the film's writer, or one of the film's writers, I should say, Jeremy Adams. He co-wrote this film with uh, Megan Fitzmartin. I was also very lucky to sit down with Elysia Rotaru, who voices Black Canary. And I talked to somebody else, didn't I? You did. I had a wonderful chat with The Flash, one of The Flashes in this movie, the absolutely delightful Matt Bomer. So we will be joined by Jeremy, Matt and Elysia in our next episode and it will be a, a deep dive on the story of justice society world war ii from warner brothers and dc comics which i'm so excited to finally talk about i have seen this film four times it's not even out yet i need to be able to talk to someone about it other than boy wonder over there so until next time stay safe stay well and we'll see you soon bye, bye.